0: section 11 of utopia by sir thomas more translated by rafe robinson this librivox recording is in the public domain of warfare war or battle as a thing very beastly and yet to no kind of beasts in so much use as to man they do detest and abhor and contrary to the custom almost of all other nations they count nothing so much against glory as glory gotten in war and therefore though they do daily practice and exercise themselves in the discipline of war and not only the men but also the women upon certain appointed days lest they should be to seek in the feet of arms if need should require yet they never go to battle but either in the defence of their own country or to drive out of their friend's land the enemies that have invaded it or by their power to deliver from the yoke and bondage of tyranny some people that be therewith oppressed which thing they do of mere pity and compassion howbeit they send help to their friends not ever in their defence But sometimes also to requite and revenge injuries before to them done but this they do not unless their counsel and advice in the matter be asked whilst it is yet new and fresh for if they find the cause probable and if the contrary part will not restore again such things as be of them justly demanded then they be the chief authors and makers of the war which they do not only as oft as by inroads and invasions of soldiers praise and booties be driven away but then also much more mortally when their friends merchants in any land either under the pretence of unjust laws or else by the resting and wrong understanding of good laws do sustain an unjust accusation under the colour of justice neither the battle which the utopians fought for the Nephilogites against the Aleopolitanes a little before our time was made for any other cause but that the Nephilogite merchantmen as the utopians thought suffered wrong of the aliopolitanes under the pretence of right but, whether it were right or wrong, it was with so cruel and mortal war revenged the countries round about joining their help and power to the puissance and malice of both parties that most flourishing and wealthy peoples being some of them shrewdly shaken and some of them sharply beaten, the mischiefs were not finished nor ended until the Aleopolitanes at the last were yielded up as bondmen into the jurisdiction of the Nephilogites for the utopians fought not this war for themselves and yet the nephalogites before the war when the Aleopolitanes flourished in wealth were nothing to be compared with them so eagerly the utopians prosecute the injuries done to their friends yea in money matters and not their own likewise for if they by coven or guile be wiped beside their goods so that no violence be done to their bodies they wreak their anger by abstaining from occupying with that nation until they have made satisfaction not for because they set less store by their own citizens than by their friends but that they take the loss of their friends money more heavily than the loss of their own because that their friends merchantmen for as much as that they lose is their own private goods sustain great damage by the loss but their own citizens lose nothing but of the common goods and of that which was at home plentiful and almost superfluous else had it not been sent forth therefore no man feeleth the loss and for this cause they think it too cruel an act to revenge that loss with the death of many the incommodity of the which loss no man feeleth neither in his life nor yet in his living, but if it chance that any of their men in any other country be maimed or killed, whether it be done by a common or a private council, knowing and trying out the truth of the matter by their ambassadors, unless the offenders be rendered unto them in recompense of the injury, they will not be appeased, but incontinent they proclaim war against them. The offenders yielded they punish either with death or with bondage they be not only sorry but also ashamed to achieve the victory with bloodshed counting it great folly to buy precious wares too dear they rejoice and avaunt themselves if they vanquish and oppress their enemies by craft and deceit and for that act they make a general triumph and as if the matter were manfully handled they set up a pillar of stone in the place where they so vanquished their enemies in token of the victory for then they glory then they boast and crack that they have played the men indeed when they have so overcomeen as no other living creature but only man could that is to say by the might and puissance of wit for with bodily strength say they bears lions boars wolves dogs and other wild beasts do fight and as the most part of them do pass us in strength and fierce courage so in wit and reason we be much stronger than they all their chief and principal purpose in war is to obtain that thing which if they had before obtained they would not have moved battle but if that be not possible they take such cruel vengeance of them which be in the fault that ever after they be afeared to do the like this is their chief and principal intent which they immediately and first of all prosecute and set forward but yet so that they be more circumspect in avoiding and eschewing jeopardies than they be desirous of praise and renown therefore immediately after that war is once solemnly denounced They procure many proclamations, signed with their own common seal, to be set up privily at one time, in their enemy's land, in places most frequented. In these proclamations they promise great rewards to him that will kill their enemy's prince, and somewhat less gifts, but them very great also, for every head of them whose names be in the said proclamations contained they be those whom they count their chief adversaries next unto the prince whatsoever is prescribed unto him that killeth any of the proclaimed persons that is doubled to him that bringeth any of the same to them alive yea and to the proclaimed persons themselves if they will change their minds and come into them taking their parts they proffer the same great rewards with pardon and surety of their lives therefore it quickly cometh to pass that their enemies have all other men in suspicion and be unfaithful and mistrusting among themselves one to another living in great fear and in no less jeopardy for it is well known that divers times the most part of them and specially the prince himself hath been betrayed of them in whom they put their most hope and trust so that there is no manner of act nor deed that gifts and rewards do not enforce men unto and in rewards they keep no measure but remembering and considering into how great hazard and jeopardy they call them endeavour themselves to recompense the greatness of the danger with like great benefits and therefore they promise not only wonderful great abundance of gold but also lands of great revenues lying in most safe places among their friends and their promises they perform faithfully without any fraud or coven this custom of buying and selling adversaries among other people is disallowed as a cruel act of a base and a cowardish mind but they in this behalf think themselves much praiseworthy as who like wise men by this means dispatch great wars without any battle or skirmish yea they counted also a deed of pity and mercy because that by the death of a few offenders the lives of a great number of innocents as well as of their own men as also of their enemies be ransomed and saved which in fighting should have been slain for they do no less pity the base and common sort of their enemies people than they do their own knowing that they be driven and enforced to war against their wills by the furious madness of their princes and heads. If by none of these means the matter go forward as they would have it, then they procure occasions of debate and dissension to be spread among their enemies, as by bringing the prince's brother or some of the noblemen in hope to obtain the kingdom if this way prevail not then they raise up the people that be next neighbours and borderers to their enemies and them they set in their necks under the colour of some old title of right such as kings do never lack to them they promise their help and aid in their war and as for money they give them abundance but of their own citizens they send to them few or none whom they make so much of and love so entirely that they would not be willing to change any of them for their adversary's prince but their gold and silver because they keep it all for this only purpose they lay it out frankly and freely as who should live even as wealthily if they had bestowed it every penny yea and besides their riches which they keep at home they have also an infinite treasure abroad By reason that as i said before many nations be in their debt therefore they hire soldiers out of all countries and send them to battle but chiefly of the zapolites this people is five hundred miles from utopia eastward they be hideous savage and fierce dwelling in wild woods and high mountains where they were bred and brought up they be of an hardy nature able to abide and sustain heat cold and labour abhorring from all delicate dainties occupying no husbandry nor tillage of the ground homely and rude both in building of their houses and in their apparel given unto no goodness but only to the breeding and bringing up of cattle the most part of their living is by hunting and stealing they be born only to war which they diligently and earnestly seek for and when they have gotten it they be wondrous glad thereof they go forth of their country in great companies together and whosoever lacketh soldiers there they proffer their service for small wages this is only the craft that they have to get their living by they maintain their life by seeking their death for them whom with they be in wages they fight hardly fiercely and faithfully but they bind themselves for no certain time but upon this condition they enter into bonds that the next day they will take part with the other side for greater wages and the next day after that they will be ready to come back again for a little more money there be few wars thereaway wherein is not a great number of them in both parties Therefore, it daily chanceth that nigh kinsfolk, which were hired together on one part and there very friendly and familiarly used themselves one with another shortly after being separate in contrary parts, run one against another enviously and fiercely, and forgetting both kindred and friendship, thrust their swords one in another, and that for none other cause but that they be hired of contrary princes for a little money which they do so highly regard and esteem that they will easily be provoked to change parts for a halfpenny more wages by the day so quickly they have taken a smack in covetousness which for all that is to them no profit for that they get by fighting immediately they spend unthriftily and wretchedly in riot this people fighteth for the utopians against all nations because they give them greater wages than any other nation will for the utopians like as they seek good men to use well so they seek these evil and vicious men to abuse whom when need requireth with promises of great rewards they put forth into great jeopardies from whence the most part of them never cometh again to ask their rewards. But to them that remain alive they pay that which they promised faithfully, that they may be the more willing to put themselves in like danger another time. Nor the Utopians pass not how many of them they bring to destruction, for they believe that they should do a very good deed for all mankind if they could rid out of the world all that foul stinking den of that most wicked and cursed people next unto these they use the soldiers of them for whom they fight and then the help of their other friends and last of all they join to their own citizens among whom they give to one of tried virtue and prowess the rule governance and conduction of the whole army under him they appoint two other which whilst he is safe be both private and out of office but if he be taken or slain the one of the other two succeedeth him as it were by inheritance and if the second miscarry then the third taketh his room lest that as the chance of battle is uncertain and doubtful the jeopardy or death of the captain should bring the whole army in hazard they choose soldiers out of every city those which put forth themselves willingly for they thrust no man forth into war against his will because they believe if any man be fearful and faint-hearted of nature he will not only do no manful and hardy act himself but also be occasion of cowardness to his fellows but if any battle be made against their own country then they put these cowards so that they be strong bodied in ships among other bold-hearted men or else they dispose them upon the walls from whence they may not flee thus what for shame that their enemies be at hand and what for because they be without hope of running away they forget all fear and many times extreme necessity turneth cowardness into prowess and manliness, but as none of them is thrust forth of his country into war against his will, so women that be willing to accompany their husbands in times of war be not prohibited or letted. yea, they provoke and exhort them to it with praises, and in set field, the wives do stand every one by their own husband's side also every man is compassed next about with his own children kinsfolks and alliance that they whom nature chiefly moveth to mutual succour thus standing together may help one another it is a great reproach and dishonesty for the husband to come home without his wife or the wife without her husband or the son without his father and therefore if the other part stick so hard by it that the battle come to their hands it is fought with great slaughter and bloodshed even to the utter destruction of both parts for as they make all the means and shifts that may be to keep themselves from the necessity of fighting or that they may dispatch the battle by their hired soldiers so when there is no remedy but that they must needs fight themselves then they do as courageously fall to it as before whilst they might they did wisely avoid and refuse it nor they be not most fierce at the first brunt but in continuance by little and little their fierce courage increaseth with so stubborn and obstinate minds that they will rather die than give back an inch for that surety of living which every man hath at home being joined with no careful anxiety or remembrance how their posterity shall live after them, for this pensiveness oftentimes breaketh and abateth courageous stomachs, maketh them stout and hardy and disdainful to be conquered, moreover, their knowledge in chivalry and feats of arms putteth them in a good hope, finally, the wholesome and virtuous opinions wherein they were brought up even from their childhood partly through learning and partly through the good ordinances and laws of their weal public augment and increase their manful courage by reason whereof they neither set so little store by their lives that they will rashly and unadvisedly cast them away nor they be not so far in lewd and fond love therewith that they will shamefully covet to keep them when honesty biddeth leave them when the battle is hottest and in all places most fierce and fervent a band of chosen and picked young men which be sworn to live and die togethers take upon them to destroy their adversary's captain whom they invade now with privy wiles now by open strength at him they strike both near and far off he is assailed with a long and a continual assault Fresh men still coming in the wearied men's places, and seldom it chances, unless he save himself by flying, that he is not either slain or else taken prisoner and yielded to his enemies alive. If they win the field, they persecute not their enemies with the violent rage of slaughter, for they had rather take them alive than kill them neither they do so follow the chase and pursuit of their enemies but they leave behind them one part of their host in battle-array under their standards insomuch that if all their whole army be discomfited and overcome saving the rearward and that they therewith achieve the victory then they had rather let all their enemies escape than to follow them out of array for they remember it hath chanced unto themselves more than once the whole power and strength of their host being vanquished and put to flight whilst their enemies rejoicing in the victory have persecuted them flying some one way and some another a small company of their men lying in an ambush there ready at all occasions have suddenly risen upon them thus dispersed and scattered out of array and through presumption of safety unadvisedly pursuing the chase and have incontinent changed the fortune of the whole battle and spite of their teeths resting out of their hands the sure and undoubted victory being a little before conquered have for their part conquered the conquerors it is hard to say whether they be craftier in laying an ambush or wittier in avoiding the same you would think they intend to fly when they mean nothing less And contrarywise, when they go about that purpose, you would believe it were the least part of their thought. For if they perceive themselves either overmatched in number or closed in too narrow a place, then they remove their camp either in the night season with silence or by some policy they deceive their enemies, or in the daytime they retire back so softly that it is no less jeopardy to meddle with them when they give back than when they press on. They fence and fortify their camp surely with a deep and a broad trench, the earth thereof is cast inward. Nor they do not set drudges and slaves a work about it, it is done by the hands of the soldiers themselves. All the whole army worketh upon it, except them that keep watch and ward in harness before the trench for sudden adventures therefore by the labour of so many a large trench closing in a great compass of ground is made in less time than any man would believe their armour or harness which they wear is sure and strong to receive strokes and handsome for all movings and gestures of the body insomuch that it is not unwieldy to swim in for in the discipline of their warfare among other feats they learn to swim in harness their weapons be arrows aloof which they shoot both strongly and surely not only footmen but also horsemen at handstrokes they use not swords but poleaxes which be mortal as well in sharpness as in weight both for foins and downstrokes engines for war they devise and invent wondrous wittily which when they be made they keep very secret lest if they should be known before need require they should be but laughed at and serve to no purpose but in making them hereunto they have chief respect that they be both easy to be carried and handsome to be moved and turned about truce taken with their enemies for a short time they do so firmly and faithfully keep that they will not break it no not though they be thereunto provoked they do not waste nor destroy their enemies land with foragings nor they burn not up their corn yea they save it as much as may be from being overrun and trodden down either with men or horses thinking that it groweth for their own use and profit They hurt no man that is unarmed, Unless he be an espial. All cities that be yielded unto them they defend, And such as they win by force of assault, They neither despoil nor sack, But them that withstood and dissuaded The yielding up of the same they put to death, The other soldiers they punish with bondage. All the weak multitude they leave untouched, If they know that any citizens counselled to yield and render up the city, to them they give part of the condemned men's goods. The residue they distribute and give freely among them whose help they had in the same war, for none of themselves taketh any portion of the prey. But when the battle is finished and ended, they put their friends to never a penny cost of all the charges that they were at, but lay it upon their necks that be conquered them they burden with the whole charge of their expenses, which they demand of them partly in money to be kept for like use of battle, and partly in lands of great revenues to be paid unto them yearly for ever. Such revenues they have now in many countries, which by little and little rising of divers and sundry causes be increased above 700,000 ducats by the year. Thither they send forth some of their citizens as lieutenants to live there sumptuously like men of honour and renown. And yet this notwithstanding much money is saved which cometh to the common treasury, unless it so chance that they had rather trust the country with the money, which many times they do so long until they have need to occupy it. And it seldom happeneth that they demand all. Of these lands they assign part unto them which at their request and exhortation put themselves in such jeopardies as I spake of before. If any prince stir up war against them, intending to invade their land, they meet him incontinent out of their own borders with great power and strength, for they never lightly make war in their own country. Nor they be never brought into so extreme necessity as to take help out of foreign lands into their own island. End of section 11.